What's up, everybody? The two football gurus are back with Chris Jackson here, joined by Noah Glosson. We're COVID-free again. Finally say that after being inside for over a week. I think if you guys know Noah and I, it's not easy to stay inside. Sure as heck wasn't easy for me. It sucks, but we're back. We're ready to get ready for some football. And we've got some great topics coming up, don't we, Noah? Yeah, we do. Um, I mean, it's great to be COVID-free again. Uh, last time we did the podcast, I probably had one of my worst day, um, one of my toughest days in terms of symptoms. I was coughing a little. I was lethargic. I was tired. I was sleeping most of the day. But I feel a lot better now, and I'm excited to uh, jump into the topics. Uh, we've got some interesting uh, East Bay Football League topics to go over today. The Baby Athletic League, its implications, its front runners, and the Dabble Foothill Athletic League, its front runners, and all that. So let's jump into it. Uh, let's start off with the Dabble Foothill Athletic League. I mean, we've got a lot of talented teams this year Akalani's, Campolindo, Marimani, um, La Marinda is, of course, growing once again in football. Um, so, Chris, what are your thoughts on this league? It's Campolindo's league to lose this year. This is definitely – I know a lot of years it's Campolindo's year. That's the way it's been at pretty much every year under Kevin Macy since he took over in the 90s. But this year, especially with when you bring back a quarterback-receiver tandem like Dash Weaver and Robbie Masseroni, who's got over 11 offers. Weaver's got three now. They're definitely the favorites. But like you mentioned, there's teams behind them that are really on the rise too. Akalani's, Miramonte, Los Lomas has had some good seasons. Benicia had one of its best seasons last year as well. I know Northgate's moving up to the DFL this year after winning the Diablo Valley. Last year going 5-0 and in that league. First off, though, Akalani's is a lot of interesting stuff with that program this year under Floyd Burnside again. Offensive savant, offensive guru, he's – Got some pieces to work with, and you saw them at seven on seven. So what is your take on the Dons this season over there in Lafayette? I think they've got a lot of talent. Uh, Jake Baselli and Sully Bailey are good upcoming quarterbacks. I'm not sure who's going to win the quarterback battle or if they'll do something similar to what they did when they were on JV and freshman teams, which was share rotations, share snaps. But I can never count what Floyd Burns said. In terms of developing quarterbacks, he's one of the best coaches around. Very, very diligent, very, very good offensive um, guru, especially at the head coaching position. Uh, they obviously have a lot of offensive weapons. Trevor Rogers and Paul Keener, they were very impressive on the track season last year. Now they both have UMass offers. Um, Ethan Torres also was pretty good last year. He was also he part of that track team that broke the school record for the four by 100 meter dash. I can see him being a key part of the offense. I think this offense is a lot to um, – there's a lot of promise with this offense. I know they lost Dante Montgomery, Will Berrien, Evan Malmquist, and Luke Souza, the big four of that class of 2022. That was really a terror on the offensive side of the ball for that's that for the Diablo Football Athletic League. But – I'm excited to see what Floyd Burnson has up, its, has up his sleeve as an offensive guru, and I, I'm really excited to see what he can bring to this program. Yeah, there's – like you kind of mentioned those names, Will Barry, and that kind of core four you mentioned is graduated. But, I mean, also that there be more steps back taken after Brady Hutchinson and that class graduated too, but they keep turning away, and there's a lot of talented pieces of that quarterback spot. You know, that's going to be solidified. 
this receiving core coming up, those two D1 kids coming up too, Trevor Rogers, you've got Paul Keener. Paul Keener, what he just did in the track scene this year, running in the 10 fives and the 100. And track success always translates into more football success. Everybody's talked about that. And Trevor Rogers last year had a great season too, 452 receiving yards, five touchdowns. I'm glad you mentioned a guy like Ethan Torres, 222 yards, four touchdowns. You've got Andrew Havis, who had 119 yards. But another spot that I really like this year, too, is Ellis Berger coming up through that program. A really good dynamic running back athlete. 341 rushing yards, five touchdowns last year. And they're going to be playing behind a really good offensive line, and offensive lines are going to determine a lot of games, especially in that league when you've got a face of program like Camp Leno that's always, always dominating up front. You've got Tyler Murphy, the three-star. He's got 61 offers. Montana State was the latest to join Air Force, Army, Eastern Washington, Fordham, and Idaho. So Akalani's, I think, right now is the number two team in that league, right behind Camp Alindo, but I would not be surprised if Akalani's makes that game a pretty fun one again this year, like it's always been. Yeah, for sure. I think that, you know, they have a lot of depth to that offense. I know every year, I know last year that receiving core and even in the spring the year before was really deep. They only lost one receiver that was Sam Heyman, but the receiving core is always exciting. The Floyd Burns said loves that air attack. He's known for leading a very ferocious air attack. Um, you know, Ellis Berger could definitely step it up uh, after Evan Malmquist had the first 1,000 yards rushing season for quite some time at Akalani's is known for its air attack. Um, he's explosive. He's great also on the return, on the punt returns. Tyler Murphy, great blocker, six offers, like you said. But also you got uh, linebacker Jack Giorgiani, who can also play on offense. He could be a key contributor as well. Kyle Bolowski, as we saw last season, made like 30, I believe 36 tackles. He'll be a key returner. And Miller Smith, I think we should bring up another linebacker. He had, I believe, 33 tackles, which was fifth on the team, I want to say. Uh, so they've got some key returning pieces at defense, even though despite the graduation of guys like Logan Ketchum and edge rusher Sam Hafner, but also Tyler Worthington. I want to mention him. He led the team in sacks last year. Yeah, he brings back four sacks from last year. Really did a good job getting on the backfield. And their schedule, too, is a lot of fun, especially early on. You play San Marin that season opener, defending state champion, what that program's done, really growing there in Nevada and Marin County. Then you go to Bishop O'Dowd week two. So right away, just looking at Akalani's schedule, how do you think this shapes out? How do you think it really maps out those first couple of weeks when you've got a San Marin, you've got Bishop O'Dowd, then you go to Sheldon of Sacramento, and you play Redwood, who's also got a really good quarterback, and they've got a good receiver there with Miles Grossman getting thrown the football by who I think is a D1 quarterback and Brady Weinger. I think it's going to be really interesting for sure. Um, Bishop would have barely missed out on the D3 playoffs last year, especially after that loss to um, James Logan. I think Khalid Robinson had an amazing game over 200 rushing yards that game that really knocked them out of the playoffs. But I do think they have a lot of promise uh, in the upcoming league. Tough schedule, San Marin. I know Joey Cook moved over to Marin Catholic, but they've got Dominic Ingracia. Their JV team was just one possession away from an undefeated season. Bishop O'Dowd is young. They can make some noise for sure. Um, Redwood and Sheldon, they're going to be tough. Redwood's obviously got a really good quarterback, that, that um, Brady Weingart, that can also play really well on the basketball court. So I think this is going to be an interesting um, non-league schedule before you enter league at Las Lomas, Campo, Benicia, Miramonte, then you wrap it up on the road 
in Walnut Creek against Northgate. So very interesting schedule upcoming. So I cannot wait to see what this team does. And yeah, how do you think this team does this year? What, in terms of that, how many wins do you think they get and where do they finish up in the league standings? I think they finished second league standings. You go six and four, maybe seven and three. Slight improvement from last year. Um, I know that if you talk to any of the players, I've talked to them, they were disappointed. They believe with that class 22, that class 23, that actually in the spring season went undefeated at 6-0 and and knocked off Campo by one point. They can, they should have gone further. They should have beaten El Cerrito. They should have made it to the semifinals at least. So I think they have a lot to prove. They're hungry. And this JV team is also really impressive coming up. I think they went 8-2 and two last year. Um, and a lot of talent as well. So I think they should finish at least second. And it could be an interesting fight for first. But I think Camp Lindo definitely has the edge. Yeah, I've got Akalani's at a seven-win team. I think those first two weeks, I think they start out 0-2. But then from there, they find their stride with all these other newer pieces in the receiving core coming up. They went seven in the next day. They only lost to Camp Lindo there. And they're going to make some noise in the playoffs this year, too. I know they're hungry, especially what happened to El Cerrito last year in that postseason game. Is Robert Freeman and El Cerrito doing what they do? I think it's the time Akalani's moves a little further in the playoffs this year. I have them going one and one. I think they edge out either – I'm not sure which game they're going to win, but I think they'll win one of those games. And I do think it's going to be interesting. But I do see them going seven and three. So that's where I have them. Uh, yeah, but let's look at the top team. Let's look at Campolindo, um, what they've got. What do you think they've got up their sleeve this year, Chris? There's a lot going up their sleeve, like I mentioned previously, with a quarterback receiver tandem. Mascheroni's got 11 offers, Weaver with three. Weaver really is a dual threat quarterback. 2,500 passing yards, over 500 rushing yards. Mascheroni's just a huge 6'4 target on the outside. Those 70 catches, over 1,300 yards. I like what they got around them, too. I think this is a team that goes undefeated in the regular season. I know that's a pretty bold prediction, especially when you look at that schedule. They've got to go to Windsor, got to go to San Leandro. They've got Monta Vista. You know, the Aptos game did not go the way they wanted. I think they get that revenge this year. You know, that was just a weird start to Camp Leno. And they had that shortened off season, too. I know every program did. But when you lose a senior class like they did from that 2021 team like that, it's – it's tough to just kind of figure that out in two or three months. I don't care if you're Kevin Macy, any of those great coaches. I, I like what they have. The Greg Palamountain's really going to burst onto the scene this year, over 200 yards. Brennan Comerford's really not the Brennan Comerford we just featured from Foothill, the infielder. This is a different one, just funny same name there, but over 160 rushing yards, 200 receiving yards. They've got some of the interceptions leaders, too. That pass defense is going to be strong this year. Robbie Horst. Had a really good season last year. You've got Charlie Murren had a really good season. They led the team in sacks. Robbie Horst with 112 tackles and 10 tackles for loss. There's a lot to like on both sides of the football for the Cougars this year under Kevin Macy. No, I agree. And um, Elijah Clock said it best after, you know, the down year predictions. Winning NCS is a real big middle finger to them. Uh, amazing quote there. Um it did appear that a lot of the predictions were correct at first. They went three and three, suffered home losses to Aptos and Benicia. Like, it just, it's not something that Campolino does. It's not uh, very common that a team comes up into Moraga and then just stomps Campolino on their home field. It's just not something you expect to see, especially in the Kevin Macy era. But 
lot of key pieces returning from that team. Dash Weaver, great dual threat quarterback. He's really rising up the ranks um, day by day. Uh, Robbie Masteroni has, I believe, five Ivy League offers, a power five from Virginia. Great academic offers for sure. Sports, I believe, a 3.8 GPA, three somewhere up there. And Robbie Horst, uh, a force on both sides of the ball. He played fullback. I think he could definitely be a key contributor, score a touchdown in the championship game against Foothill. I can, and Kevin Macy, you should never doubt him, no matter the circumstances. Uh, he's obviously one of the best coaches around up there with Patrick Walsh and some of the other greats. So I cannot wait to see what Camp Leto can do. But I think that they can definitely go at least eight and two in the regular season, given their schedule. I know it's got tough with teams like Windsor and then that tough league schedule with Akalani's, Mira, Las Lomas, all those guys. I can see them, though, doing really well. Miramonte is a very interesting team this year. They've got Luke Duncan, the UCLA commit, committed to the Bruins this offseason. What's your initial take? I know you actually saw them in person as well. What do you think about this Miramonte team, and how do they stack up to the rest of the league? I think Luke Duncan's a good quarterback, probably the second-best quarterback last year. He was ranked number two in our preseason quarterback rankings just put out recently. Uh, he had nearly 3,000 yards, 30 touchdowns. He'll make a nice fit for Chip Kelly and the Bruins. Uh, I know they lost Tyler Dudo, that star athlete on the basketball court and on the, on the gridiron, what he did with over 1,000 receiving yards. But Chris Bowling and Jimmy Foster, they're going to make massive strides as receivers uh, in their senior year. Well, I can see him definitely filling that void that Dudo left now that he's graduated. Uh, in the backfield, Thomas Wilson, he led a ground attack for the Matadors. And Chase Bliss is a good all-around athlete. He finished third in the team in tackles last season and finished third in interceptions. Chris Bowling also had four interceptions last year. So I believe Maramani could definitely make things interesting despite all those key losses. I forgot, almost forgot to mention Sam Ross, staying home, committed to Cal, that force at running back and especially at linebacker. He accepted preferred walk-on for the Golden Bears earlier this offseason, I think in December. So a lot of key losses, but I think they can definitely remain competitive again amongst all those teams. Yeah, Cooper Bollock's definitely a really intriguing piece on both sides of the football with those four interceptions, the 400 receiving yards. You know he's really going to get targeted by Luke Duncan a lot and can't blame some of the 6'5 that can throw the ball like Luke Duncan wanting to throw to him. Thomas Wilson, leading rusher last year is back. I like how you mentioned a guy like Chase Bliss had those three picks last year. Right out of the gates, they go to Berkeley, they go to Ensenal back-to-back weeks. I like what this team's got. I think this is a team that's going to win seven games. Maybe they push it close to eight. I think Miramonte, that was a lock for seven games. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. There's definitely a lot of talent out there. And um, – in Arinda, uh, Jimmy Foster, uh, Bowling, and Chase Bliss, a great tandem, a great trio of athletes that can really become versatile weapons for Duncan, the UCLA commit. I do believe they lost, you know, Sam Ross, that linebacker, crucial part of that defense, and also played really an essential part in that ground attack as well. You lose Aiden Stone, but and others, but Nick Weber, a junior, he played really well last year at 36 tackle, tackles last season. So there are a lot of key returning parts of that defense, and Weber also had four and a half sacks. 
to go along with those 36 tackles. So a lot of key pieces returning, even despite those losses of Dudo, that dangerous weapon, that dangerous threat on offense at the wide out position. But Luke Duncan, I think he's going to make massive strides. And he's just the second, about the second best quarterback in the Bay Area, right behind Jaden Rashada, who recently committed to Miami. We'll talk about him in a little bit once we get to the uh, next league. Yeah, I like Ramir Monte saying, I think this might be a top three team in this league this year. Here's another couple of teams that are going to be vying for that spot, though, too. Benicia had that nine and four season last year. They did lose some great players. Simeon Harris now at Colorado. Miles Bailey went over to Fresno State. How does Benicia, I guess, regroup and kind of take that next step again without some of those key seniors that they had last year? Yeah, and some and a couple other key seniors, Croy Stewart's at UCLA, Kalani Sandvold, Janari Boone were also really essential parts of the of league play. It does look like they're on paper ready for a big step back, despite their JV team going eight and two. Not a single junior, according to the stats available on Max Preps, made a reception. All of um, Ty Wallace's pass went, went to seniors, and rush in their ground attack was comprised of only four. for juniors. Juniors may have just 4.5% of that team's ground attack. So we're going to have to see a lot of new faces, especially with guys like Sandoval, Boone, Bailey, Stewart, and Harris uh, gone. Those were the key components of the team that made it to the NCS Division III title game and went nine and four. So we're going to have to see what new talent can come up for the Panthers. I think there's some good ones coming up. You've got the six-foot cornerback. You've got Donovan Lee, a really good 2023 prospect. He's done some really good stuff with KT Prep in the offseason, some seven-on-seven in training. He's a prospect. I like Anthony Sanchez, a senior at 42 tackles, five tackles for loss. You can't underestimate what that JV program did last year, the 8-2 record, like you just mentioned. It might take some time for this team to really come together once you kind of get go through those pros and cons and you get some of those positives, you get some of those negatives in the non-league slate, I believe Benicia will start to come together week five, week six. It's usually what happens when you lose a lot of experience. This is a team that's made some real strides these last couple of years, especially with the talent they've had and the way the coaching staff's gotten them up. Another one, too, that's been dangerous is Los Lomas. Took San Ramon Valley to the wire a couple of seasons ago. They had some really big wins last year. Eight and four overall, four and one in the league. Their starting quarterback does return as well. Yeah, Wood, he's definitely a very talented uh, player. Adam Toll racked up over 400 yards last season. And keep in mind, this was a stacked backfield. This included Frank Payne, a star. He had 232 yards in the game I saw against Akalani's. And um, Jermaine Land also played very well when I was a senior in high school watching him play against Akalani's. He also had over 200 yards, so that backfield dangerous. Jabri Bevino, the top receiver, top target for Wood, is gone. Um, Diamond Loosely, a good athlete on both ends of the ball, um, also graduated. And, of course, they lost Emmanuel Carnley, who transferred to Pittsburgh for his final season. He's got offers. I think he's narrowed it down to a couple of schools that include Utah and Arizona State. I'm not sure where Lost almost goes from here. They did make it to the semifinals, but they're tough. You never know what's going to come up with Lost Lomas. Very tough school, very good athletes out there. So I think they could honestly make some surprises and some surprising steps towards the league title. I think they could finish honestly third in it if they really come together. 
Yeah, I'm in agreement with you there. And they're going to be really battle tested by the time that lease schedule comes about. That's really got to like, because they're playing Ramsey Gatati week one team that's got a couple of D1 commits there on the outside, a very experienced winning quarterback. You go to James Logan, you go to Lee, then you've got San Ramon Valley, and you've got DeAnza after that. So that's five tough non-league games that will definitely have them ready and prepared and then what they got to do to take that next step. And the last one, team moving on up, Northgate. The Broncos, 5-0 and in the Diablo Valley Athletic League last year, won that title. They are now in the DFAL. How do you think this league is going to fare for them? I think it's going to be a tough introduction the first um, year. It's obviously new for them. They face, in their first non-league, they face Deer Valley, Ukiah, uh, Jesse Bethel of Vallejo, College Park before going to the league bout. Uh, they did go 5-0. and They actually got, got a home bid on in the as the eighth seed in the D3 playoffs thanks to their league title win and Rancho Katati edging out Windsor. They actually hung around Windsor for a while in that first half, but then Windsor broke away as the number one seed. So, and they put up a good fight. I think they're definitely a resilient team. They went 5-0 in the Valley League, making the step up. We'll see how it fares for them. Yeah, one athlete that you've really got to be a fan of is Emilio Pucci, a two-star athlete in that 2023 class. He's got a couple of offers, Brunel and Lewis and Clark. More great film this year is definitely going to be leading him to some more offers. Now, how do you think these standings shake out before we move into that Bay Valley Athletic League? Who's the first-place team, and let's go all the way down from top to bottom. I got to say the first-place team is going to be the uh, Camp Linda Cougars, you know, Kevin Macy, that winning culture that they've produced over there in Moraga. Number two is Aquilani's. I think they're very resilient. Very resilient. Floyd Burns said great offensive attack. Uh, we'll see what happens with the defense. That defense definitely struggled a little last year in the games I saw. At number three, I'm going to put – it's close, but I got to go with Maramani. So the La Marina teams are up on top – are up in the top three. Then it's Las Lomas. You know, they lost that, that start two key components of the backfield, their best receiver, and they lost their star cornerback and athlete to Pittsburgh. And then I have to put Venetia. I just think they're going to take a really big step back, especially with the loss of – three Division I FBS commits, and then at six, and then the last place, I got to go with Northgate, given how new they are. Here's my shake down. I've got Camp Lindo, Akalani's, Miramonte, and Las Lomas will finish in a tie for third, then Benicia, and then Northgate is how this league is going to go. Now on to the Bay Valley Athletic League, East County football. There's a lot of programs, new head coaches. You've got new head coaches at Liberty. You've got a new head coach at Antioch a new head coach at Deer Valley, Freedom going to the second year with a new head coach. Where's this league going? Who's really going to challenge Pittsburgh for that top spot? I'm going to be completely honest. I got to go with the top teams competing with them are going to be Heritage and Antioch. I think Antioch made it to the NCS Division I playoffs last season. Tough battle against Clinton Valley. They gained Charles Brown Jr., who transferred from Pittsburgh. He was a key component of the team that won the NCS Division I title for the first time since the 1990s. Uh, Brent Dudley is, was a good assistant coach. He's going to make the step up. And another team I got to give it to – another player I got to give it to is Isaiah Pino. He was a force on both ends of the ball. Uh, 220 yards, three touchdowns, and a rush-heavy offense. 
And on defense, he had 51 tackles and a couple of sacks. Antioch is really a tough program. Of course, that's where Najee Harris went. That's his alma mater, the Pittsburgh Steelers running back. He was the number one recruit in America just about six years ago. And then I got to go with Heritage. I know Liberty is up there too, but Heritage, Devon Rivers committed to Fresno State, number two running back last season. Um, this preseason, excuse me, in our preseason rankings, uh, Jeremiah Rufin, Forsen both ends the ball, both the Nevada offer. So I can see all those teams definitely uh, competing with Pittsburgh and making it interesting out there. Antioch's a team that's got a new head coach. Brett Dudley takes over. He's got a great history with that program. Previously, the offensive coordinator helped them win a league title in 2015 NCS semifinals that year, played Foothill, also played for an NCS title in his tenure there against Jay Kaner and Monta Vista. Last year, 6-5 and five overall, 4-1 and one in the league, second place only behind Pittsburgh. Beat Liberty, beat Heritage, a great culture there. And a guy like Charles Brown Jr. moving in after Jorge Hernandez Jr. graduates, that's big in that backfield. Charles Brown Jr. was all league, all Bay Area last year, nearly had 1,000 yards. Isaiah Pino, a great two-way player, a 6'3", 235-pound tight end, a defensive end, led the team in receiving, rated one of our best defensive ends. Entering this season after having 51 tackles and 16 tackles for loss, there's so much more you've got to like about them, too, because Charles Brown's a great running back. Also on that backfield is Elijah Stanley, had 363 yards and four touchdowns. Their defense, too, showed out Liberty, and they fell last year. So that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Right away, though, they've got a tough schedule. And yeah, it's going to play Monta Vista, Vintage, Rockland, Cal, and Marin Catholic, all in non-league, which, again, though, that should make them battle-tested heading into that league schedule. No, I agree. Antioch, obviously, playing in a tough league like Bay Valley Athletic League, they're going to be tested early on. You pull up their schedule uh, one second here. And you've got automatically a very tough go-around early on. Monta Vista, Vintage is always tough up there. Rockland was the runner-up in the San Joaquin section to the eventual NorCal champions in Foothill. That's Cal, Marin Catholic, and then you enter the league. So that's really going to be a very – tough non-league uh, play early on. You got a couple of e-ball teams, uh, the reigning state champions in Marine Catholic. Rockland's a very tough team out there in the San Joaquin Valley and Vintage. I mean, they have their plate full early on. So we're going to see how they're, fit, they're fair out there before they enter the heart of league. Yes, you definitely will. And another team from that same city, Deer Valley, has got a new head coach. Matt Mills takes over. I know Deer Valley's been kind of at the cellar of that league the last few years. Don't forget their history at Deer Valley is strong. They've had teams go far. They've had the Webster Twins from there, Zimba Zuzi. Zimba's still getting all these contracts in the NFL, doing a heck of a job there. You've got that history. You've got Robert Taylor go there, Molly Cutchins, whose older brother is Michael Hutchings. So, but this team, again, maybe they don't win a league title. Just on paper, you look at it, it's tough. I think Deer Valley, though, with this culture they've got, they've got a lot of prospects, that, speaking with their head coach, that they like, that they think are going to go play at the next level. Yeah, I mean, you got guys like Carlos Perez had 546 yards on their CVN, two touchdowns. It looks like on defense they, they had some key parts. I know some guys graduated, but Mark Mixon had 48 tackles last season. He also had a sack. 
Um, so they definitely have some interesting pieces. Uh, the city of Antioch, of course, is great athletes. Pittsburgh has amazing athletes too. That area just over there in the East Bay, especially with more people moving out to Contra Costa County, especially East Contra Costa County, so many athletes, so many key components. Also, present two interceptions. Uh, Dablo, um, Deer Valley is, of course, not the most competitive. They went 0-5 last season in the Bay Valley Athletic League, but they played a tough schedule uh, if you look at it. So I can see them winning a couple games this year, making some strides that new head coach. So we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, I think a realistic expectation this year, I believe they go about three and two in non-league. That's that's definitely a good start for them. They win four or five games, and that's progress right there. That's sign of the times changing. That's exactly – can't ask for anything more. That's those progress that culture is building. I definitely believe that culture is going up. Another program you've got to think is on the rise too, especially with some of these players moving in. Freedom, a lot of talent. Not flocking there again. They've got a great history too, right? Joe Mixon went there. Ronnie Rivers after him now went to Fresno State. Now in the NFL, got that contract with the Cardinals. What's your initial thoughts on the Freedom Falcons this year and how do they stack up? I mean, they went 2-8 last year, but, you know, they played a very, very – hold on, sorry. Um, sorry, something was going on. So I think they went 2-8 last season. And they definitely played a very tough schedule. Played teams like Cal with the Ross and Calcagno connection. That team was really tough. They played San Leandro, Foothill, James Logan. Then that league team was just the league. That league was just so tough. Uh, I can see them coming up. Uh, of course, they got Samaje Featherstone, prospect from Novato. He's transferring to Freedom for his final year. Uh, he has offers from Florida Atlantic and Army. Uh, from your scouting report from the West Coast Preps Invitational, he's shifty. He's quick to get to the hole. And with his addition, they could also – and a couple others, they could be a 500 team. Seth Stevens, Jacob Wasso, two great options at quarterback. And Herschel Turner, talk about him, 775 yards his sophomore season. He's coming back for another year. Um, this was a really good 2-8 team, to be honest, with the – um, adversity they faced on, especially on paper. Uh, do you see them winning, you know, a couple more games, maybe go close to 500, four and six? Yeah, I do. I think they get a lot closer there. There's going to be a lot more closer games this year. They might come on the right side of those. They might come on the wrong side. Last year though, too, the new head coach, it was a shortened off season. There's a lot of different mitigating factors there. I think a full off season this year, you've got some of these new players moving in. It's huge. And Herschel Turner, I'm glad you mentioned him. This kid is dynamic. That's the right way to put it. Those 775 receiving yards, also 450 rushing yards. He's got North Texas and Portland State offers. You've got also in that junior class, Tay Edmond threw for over 1,200 yards. Then you've got the quarterback, Jacob Wasso, moving in from Heritage. He was Heritage's starter as a sophomore. He is now at Freedom. Tyler Alod, he is a tight end defensive end. He's got a couple of offers too, Florida Atlantic and Laverne. In that same junior class as Travis May, Florida Atlantic and Laverne offers. You got senior Ty Reed, over 300 receiving yards. Senior Dominic Tomlin had over 160 receiving yards. I do believe this is a team that's going to be, I think, middle of the pack contending for a top half spot in the BVAL but with some of that experience that Liberty's got, Freedom's got this year in Antioch. I believe it might be one more year. Until Freedom really takes that next step in the league and gets into a top two, top three spot. But 
course, I would not be shocked if maybe they get there by the year's end, especially as some of these more players get more experience together. Yeah, and I think Freedom definitely has the culture. They have the history with uh, Ronnie Rivers, Joe Mixon, of course, star of the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, a lot of athletes there in Oakley, of course, as we've talked about before, are that just East Bay, that part of the East Bay area is just loaded with athletes, some of the best football cities in Northern California. And then you have a team like Liberty out in Brentwood. Uh, they're building a good culture. I know with Ryan Partridge, he was the recruiting coordinator down in Arizona. Now he's at UMass Amherst as the receivers coach. Uh, he led under a state title, great football coach there. But Nate Bell, he's a good quarterback. He has an Air Force offer. Ryan McKendry, Deuce Carr, two top receivers from the team last year that are returning. And Tashi Dore is a good special teams player that can make some noise. And they haven't lost to their rivals, Heritage or Freedom, since 2016. So they've got talent on both ends of the ball. Yes, they do. That's why I do believe Liberty is going to be buying for that number two spot. And it's like, I think them and Antioch are neck and neck for that spot. Nate Bell, remember his offensive coordinator last year at a practice said, young Patrick Mahomes, kind of with the way he makes plays, a strong arm, the way he extends them, it's ridiculous. I'm glad he got an Air Force offer. It's kind of been pissing us off for a long time. He's a dog in the weight room too. He's a culture guy. And you know, the new head coach, Mike Cable comes over from Pioneer. You know, Mike Cable's, Got to be loving what he's got with that kid. You've got his top receiver, Brian McKendry, as a sophomore, led the team in receiving with over 500 yards, averaged 20.2 yards per catch. Deuce Carr is a two-star cornerback. Really good receiver, too, nearly 200 yards last year. He had a team-high three picks. Now, the defensive side of the ball, there is so much to like because Ty Ternes led that team in tackles at 87, had six tackles for loss. Nicholas Goff had two interceptions. Some young players coming up, too. Noah Blake's a really good junior offensive lineman. You've got Zaire Calhoun, a sophomore athlete. Already got a UMass offer, right? That Ryan Partridge connection really strikes, again, in the Bay Area. And Jamar Searcy, a sophomore athlete. We're coming out of there. This kid's going to be a beast. He definitely will be. And then special teams is a big thing. When you've got someone like Tashi Dorhey, you know you're going to be winning the field possession battle every single game with someone like him and Teddy Chalock on that secondary too. Right away, week two, they've got Los Gatos. Week four, Monta Vista. Week five, Santa Monica Valley. And then Pittsburgh, week six. So that, those first few weeks are daunting when you've got some of those Danville schools, you've got Los Gatos, which Liberty was up on Los Gatos pretty good last year then just kind of fell apart there in the second half. A lot of an experience though outside of guys like Bell and Carr last year was tough in a week two matchup. Liberty, though, I do believe this is a team that's probably going to tie for second. I think them and Antioch do really kind of finish there at the number two spot. And Liberty does buy for, I believe, seven wins in 2022. No, yeah, I agree. I think Liberty definitely has some tough uh, going, tough going early on. You have Los Gatos in week two, week three, Will Seawood. You've talked about how. The 707 out there in Solano County is really growing as a football culture, especially in Fairfield, in Vacaville. A lot of good athletes out there. Talk about Vanden, Rodriguez, Leroy Bryant. I think Will C. Wood, it's where Carson Strong went to high school. He could, I mean, I can see them definitely uh, rising up the ranks this season. Then those two Danville teams, Monta Vista and San Juan Valley, are going to be really tough. And then you got to go on the road to Pittsburgh and 
we all know that is a daunting team to face. And before we get into Pittsburgh, I think everybody's clear favorite for that league. Let's go right across Brentwood to Heritage. Year 300 day Fogelstrom, his first year, weird spring season, a second season, had a short off season that's been weird, right? But he is a winning head coach. He's got a great culture. They went five and five last year, two and three in the league. They had some close, they had a lot of good wins though on that schedule. They did beat Granada by two early in that year. They beat Freedom, they beat Deer Valley, they beat Deanza, they beat James Logan by 26. Now do they take another step forward? Do they take over some of those rivalry games? Do they take over the city of Brentwood again? And it's been a few years. You've got someone like Devin Rivers, the number 11 rusher in California as a sophomore. Last year, nearly 1,200 yards. Also had three picks defensively at Fresno State commit, but he is not anywhere near the only one that's going to be playing college football on that heritage roster. No, I agree. Jeremiah Rufin um, in a rush-heavy offense, 429 receiving yards, eight, eight touchdowns. Uh, on defense, 40 tackles and four interceptions. He's got an offer from Nevada. You talked about Devin Rivers. He was our number two running back in our West Coast Preps preseason rankings, 15 touchdowns, almost 1,200 yards. They finished 5-5, five and five, but I can see them definitely making uh, big steps, and they could honestly contend for – the battle of Brentwood with between Her- between Liberty and them. Uh, could they beat them? Maybe we'll see. We'll have to see. Yes, we will. And they've got a great offensive line this year too. Last year, they brought back literally no production on that offensive line going into last year. That was tough. Rivers really had to work for those yards. It's pretty incredible. He got 1,200 yards considering that. Jacob also got Fresh off, but once that second half of the year came along, that offensive line hit a stride, a full off season now. That's going to do wonders. This is a team that I also believe wins about seven games this year. You got some good pieces defensively with Ruffin, like those four interceptions. He had Brock Lombardi at 55 tackles. Colt Stunga had the team by four picks. He had 53 tackles and six tackles for loss also. And Riley came into about 28 tackles. And now the mighty Pittsburgh Pirates. The class of that league for many, many years, they won NCS for the first time in three decades last year. They beat Clayton Valley in the NCSD one championship game. I'm, I'm not really going to ask how they stack up to the rest of the league, but how do they stack up to the top teams in Northern California? Well, they made it. They won the league title, then they made it all the way to North Cows. They lost to Liberty of Bakersfield down in Southern California. A uh, lot of raw talent. I think in terms of Raw talent. This is the most talented and stacked team in the Bay Area. Jane Rashada, four-star quarterback, um, number five in his class, committed to Miami. Rashid Williams, amazing culture builder, going to Washington. Zachary Card, Oregon State. And Kai Taylor, uh, that is easy, force on both ends of the ball, going to Nevada. This team is just loaded with talent. Um, I think it's going to be really tough, honestly, for them to compete with teams like De La Salle because of that line. That line play is going to be huge against teams like that and with teams like Sarah. I know we wish we could have seen them play Sarah, but, you know, those fires, the COVID pandemic. But if you look at their schedule, I think if I bring it up, I think they play Mac early on. Like McClyman's game is going to be amazing with the amount of athletes they have out there. But I do think it's going to be tough for them to compete in NorCal, even with all that talent they've got. I think this is a 9-1 and one team in non-league. You've got to go to Cal. Then you've got Folsom and the Climans coming to your place, though, the only team, I think, beats them this year. 
is a Folsom. How does the rest of it go? We'll just have to wait and see. I still think De La Salle is the class of the Bay Area. Pittsburgh's getting closer and closer to those programs like Stare and De La Salle. Are. And it's easy to see why when you've got Jaden Rashado, Miami Kimmett, you've got another four-star like Rashid Williams going to Washington. Four-year varsity starter led the team in receiving last year, 753 yards. Zach Hard, a stud in track, too. Three-star Oregon State committed 738 receiving yards. Also two picks. Kai Taylor had three interceptions in one game. Keenan Higgins is a three-star receiver with offers from Arizona State, BYU, Colorado State, Fresno State, Pittsburgh, and Washington. Robin Boyd's a three-star cornerback with four interceptions, a Southern Oregon offer. Jaden Hudson, somebody else that's got 15 offers, a sophomore athlete. He's going to be a really good receiver. He also did fourth most tackles on the team. ASU, Cal, Georgia, LSU, Michigan, Michigan State, Ole Miss, Oregon are some of the many programs to offer him. The end class two, Joellis Walls. He's a D1 prospect, three tackles for losses freshman year. Pittsburgh in all these different classes. Great senior leadership, but also good mix of young talent rising through that program to help them kind of get more experience and take that next step again as the years come along. Yeah, I think that they've definitely uh, always had a good program up and running. You have guys like Jaden Hudson. Man, is he a star at, as a rising sophomore. Georgia, Michigan, Michigan State, some of uh, college football's elite programs are already offering him. Uh, we talked about that. Emmanuel Carnley transferred. Keon Higgins is a great athlete. Zachary Card, he was also a star on the track field. Uh, on the um, not the track field, on the track uh, I think he finished sixth in the 100-meter dash in the state um, down down Southern California during the offseason. So, and Kai Taylor is a force on both ends of the ball. I know you lose Charles Brown Jr. That line is going to be a huge question mark. Uh, that line is the final piece of the puzzle to compete with a team like De La Salle or Sarah. Yes, it is. You know Victor Daly is going to have them ready. Their defensive coordinator, Charlie Ramirez, is going to have that defense ready too. Pittsburgh. Don't be shocked if they make a run to the state last year. Don't forget that NorCal championship game. Christian Aguilar did an amazing job helping them win an NCS championship with Jaden Rashada sideline. And they got to play Liberty Bakersfield. That was some injuries, injury bug, and all of that. Lost that game. I think this year's year, Pittsburgh really makes an even deeper run than they did last year. Now, what's your final standing predictions for the BBAL before we wrap this podcast up? Yeah, so at the top, we have the crown jewel of public schools in Northern California. I guess say Pittsburgh are honestly up there for sure with, you know, Folsom and other teams, specifically the Bay Area. At number two, I'm going to go with Antioch, that culture they have. I think Brett Dudley, what he did, you know, as coordinator, assistant coach, with guys like Najee Harris taking them far into the playoffs these last, this last decade. And then I'm going to tie it at third with Liberty and Heritage. They're both that good. I think they're going to be neck and neck, and I can really honestly see Heritage beating them, or actually, or one of them coming close. I think they'll have similar records in league, and then Freedom and Deer Valley. I know Deer Valley is not going to make a massive step, but they've got the right pieces to you know build that culture upwards. I'm with. I'm going to agree with you in a lot of spots here for that number two spot. It's different for me. Pittsburgh's number one. I do think Liberty gets that number two spot. Nate Bell. Having a quarterback like him as a senior three-year varsity starter is going to be a huge difference maker there, too. Antioch is right there at three. Heritage and Freedom are right there. And then Deer Valley there right after them. 
it's going to be fun lead races on these two leads. We're going to have more lead predictions and everything else coming up next week. We'll get into those soon. But until then, everybody take care. Stay safe. I'm glad Noah's back and healthy. Before we wrap it up, though, I know a lot of Giants fans, Greg, too, was saying he's comparing the Giants organization to the A's. Do you have any response to that? Because I think he's a little off base. Okay, I understand Farhan's uh, – I understand the um, bitterness towards Farhan's reluctance to spend a lot of cash like a lot of other teams like San Diego and LA have. But the A's have one of the worst payrolls in baseball. The Giants are still pretty high. I mean, they're not like the lowest payroll in baseball, but they're still pretty low. Uh, so I got to see what else they can do. If they drop below $50 million, I'm going to say, okay, they're doing kind of what the Oakland A's do, but – no one watches the Oakland A's. Sorry. I, I did. I'm an A's fan. I can agree with that. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're two different franchises. The Giants have won the World Series. The A's haven't. It sucks to say, but it's true. Okay, everybody. Have a great rest of your weekend. Let's get ready for some football.